Welcome everyone. I see we, we have people still uh, arriving. But it's a good time to, uh, to sit together. It's not uh, common. Uh, it's kind of an unusual thing for <clears throat> our day in which we meet in this way for inquiry to fall precisely on the winter solstice. And so it's a, a day that in many traditions is, is celebrated. And I would say during our, our brief sitting, why don't you experiment with uh, closing your eyes and going into the dark and maybe opening your eyes and testing the light and going back and forth and experimenting with this light and dark, which we'll be speaking about some. So let's begin a, a few moments of sitting together. And remembering, when I say, let your eyes close at times, because we often suggest in Zazen to leave them gently open, uh, I'm not suggesting that you withdraw or go away. Only that you touch on the dark and the light with your body as you sit.
last is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. As I watched everyone arrive, as I, I always enjoy, and um, see people coming from different places, I realized that we uh, span quite a wide range on the face of the earth and its orientation to the sun today. Some of us in the morning, some midday, some in the evening, uh, that we're touching on this um, unique day, the winter solstice of 2021, that the day thought of as the, sh the shortest of the year, each of us in our own, in our own way. And I, I was uh, curious because although I, I've been connected to, to the, these, these ideas and this day and celebrations, I never really looked up what the word solstice means or its root. And I, I found that it, um, many of you might know this, that of course, sol would be the sun, the, the Latin root. And then sistere would be to stand still, which I found really interesting. Is the point where the sun appears to reach either its highest or, or in the summer's lowest point in the sky or, or vice versa uh, for the year. And thus, you know, the ancient astronomers came to know this as a day where the sun appeared to stand still, like it reached a certain point and before it turned, it was still. And I began to think this is very much like the breath when we're sitting. There's that moment of, brief moment of stillness at the end of an exhalation. And before the next in-breath comes. And also the fullness of an inhalation and before the release of an exhalation begins that this pause at the turn, this being still, the highest and lowest points of our breath, we can feel uh, in our body. It's the ongoing cycle of life. And of course, of the life-giving nature of the sun on the earth. So anyway, I was quite intrigued and wanted to uh, reflect on this, this light and dark in the ways that uh, I was suggesting we sit, sit with for a moment. 
I was also thinking of how the moon is so bright these days uh, here and you know when you're in the dark it's very dark and you open your eyes for a while your eyes be again to grow accustomed to whatever light is there and your sort of night vision kicks in you you can see a little better if you've if you allow time for your eyes to open and so it is in our practice i think um, when we actually practice opening our eyes and also our ears and our hearts and our bodies and our minds And sometimes the, the darkness is where we are taught a, a good bit. There's, there's a poem which are, many of you are familiar with, but uh, I'll, I'll use it here in the beginning and offer it to you just because it's, um, it's accessible and it has an interesting backstory too. Uh, David White's poem, Sweet Darkness, which, which I know probably most of you have heard. And I'll, I'll tell you that once as I was listening to him speak about this poem, he said it came the idea of it and the essence of it came as he was descending one night on an airplane for a landing in some city that he couldn't even remember where he was going because he was so weary in his travels. And he'd been to too many cities and too many airports and too many hotels. But he called forward something and it's just a, a feeling that I know so well, uh, not quite as much travel as he, but I understand the feeling. Here, here's, but with that uh, background story, listen, listen to the poem, because it's, it's, it's not difficult to move into. When your eyes are tired, the world is tired also. When your vision is gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark where the night has eyes to recognize its own. There you can be sure you're not beyond love. There you can be sure you're not beyond love. The dark will be your home tonight. You must learn one thing. The world is made to be free in. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn Anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. You must learn one thing. I heard him say that when he wrote that line, you must learn one thing, he paused because he, doesn't know, he didn't know what the one thing was, but that line came to him. And then he followed with, oh, the world is made to be free in, which is our practice. And sometimes it takes, he says, the darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn about some freedom, about where we confine ourselves and how we're confined and how we can open to what we just chanted, the vast robe of liberation. And the, you know, the foundations of um, our Zen practice and Chan, um, because it was so... Um, the, the practitioners who carried Buddhism into China 
many, many uh, years ago, thousands of years ago, met with the Taoist um, practitioners and they were immersed in the, this culture. And so, you know, the, the, the yin and yang cycle uh, symbol is a representation of darkness and light, of balance, of that darkness is only evident because of light and light creates darkness and there's a little dot you know of darkness in the light and lightness in the dark and you see this this symbol which is profound but i think sometimes we take it too um, too much on the surface and certainly in our culture there's a way in which there's a little caveat here a warning label because often in our culture light is star of is like the good and dark as the bad it's a dualistic turn uh, that i think our culture has made in order to exile what seems dark or frightening or un, uh, unknown and to elevate the light or goodness uh, always go toward light lightness and i think it's an attempt to manage our vulnerability really and our fears by choosing what we think is the right direction always toward light rather rather than turning towards wholeness and inclusion in fact in the shinshin ming uh, the the poem of the third zen ancestor there's a line some of you are aware of that says the struggle between good and evil is the primal disease of the mind the primal disease isn't evil it's the struggle between good and evil between light and dark a few hundred years later our ancestor uh, sikito kisen and in, in writing what we translate as called the merging of difference and unity um, he, he gives a kind of an intimation of a more awakened approach to this cycle of light and dark and it's his encouragement to turn towards wholeness. I, I won't read the whole thing, but here are the lines that stand out for those of you that are familiar with it. He wrote, the spiritual source shines clearly in the light. The branching streams flow on in the dark. Later he says, in light there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In dark there is light, but don't see it as light. Light and dark oppose one another like front and back foot in walking you know if you said okay the, the front foot is good in walking but the back foot is no good you'd fall over or maybe it's the back foot that's good in the front no they move with each other light light and dark and he says the branching streams flow in the dark in in buddhist cosmology the um, um, the the infinite the inconceivable the absolute is really is, is about the dark it's not about the light it's about going deep because there there's no distinction everything's included as one thing you can't tell the differences in the light you have distinctions so these are just some of the things that come out of the early Buddhist and Taoist traditions about this light and dark and this turn and in, in, in Western thought, there's the idea of the shadow, which many of you are familiar with too. But once again, the warning, this is not about bad or evil. 
and there's a great little book called, uh, called The Little Book of the Human Shadow by Robert Bly, and he says, we notice when sunlight hits the body, the body turns bright, but it throws a shadow, which is dark. And then the really telling phrase, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. For those, and I'm speaking for myself here, who have taught to be good, then that requires that we exile shadow elements. Anger, disruption, sadness, you know, uh, rage, all these things. The brighter the light, the darker the shadow. So it's not whole. In another uh, interesting book called Shadows of the Sacred, Francis Vaughn, a woman who really, uh, Jungian, who spoke deeply to this, he said that she agreed with Jung's statement that we do not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. An authentic, vital, spiritual life, she says, calls for bringing our shadow to light and discovering what the shadows to light and discovering what they reveal. And it's some of what Sakito Kisen is saying, there's a balance. Even in those of us who were steeped in the Christian tradition, we didn't study the Gospel of Thomas, but in it, supposedly Jesus said, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Be willing to go deep, to avow, as we say. In another uh, lovely volume by Robert Johnson, who's a Jungian analyst called Owning Your Own Shadow, he talks about how curious it is that people resist what he calls the noble aspects of our shadow more strenuously than they hide uh, the sort of dark sides that they're fearful of. And I love this phrase. He says, to draw the skeletons out of the closet is relatively easy. You know, we do that in therapy all the time. But he said, but to own the gold in the shadow is terrifying. To own the gold, to go down and mine those veins of gold in the shadow. And these sometimes feel like wild impulses because this isn't just a philosophical or a theoretical or um, theological, this is embodied. We have wild impulses and we have deep terrors. And some of them are quite destructive and some of them are immensely creative, but they're embodied. And to turn toward them, there's immense richness. Johnson says we would love to have creativity without destruction, but that's not possible. But the balance of light and dark is ultimately possible and bearable. He says to own one shadow is to reach a holy place, an inner center not attainable in any other way. And to fail this, to fail going and releasing, touching, understanding the shadow, to fail this is to fail one's own sainthood, he uses that word, and to miss the purpose of life. So these are various voices that speak to this call here on the solstice. 
to attend to what all uh, Native peoples have always suggested and turned toward is these great moments of turn. And <clears throat> the wonderful Zen teacher Joan Sutherland, in commenting on the Vimalakirti Sutra, we won't go into that, but she uses some terminology which is striking and has been revelatory to me. It really makes sense. Here are some of her words. She, she speaks so beautifully. She says, everything comes from the same dark and everything is filled with the same light. Which isn't to say that everything is completed just yet. There's still more horror and viciousness than it's possible almost to bear. Think of our world right now. But aren't those the very things most in need of inclusion in this agonizingly slow, grievous, uneven awakening? The more we move from a private Buddha, our own awakening, to the Bodhisattva way, means that we vow to wake up in the world, for the world, with the world. Everything partakes in the dream of awakening. And she goes on later to use a term that I had never heard before, a term she calls endarkenment. She says in, in the broadest strokes, enlightenment, the traditional term, is about the brilliant illumination that lifts us out of the suffering world and is the focus of classic Buddhist literature. This is, this is what we read about. But she says, endarkenment is about the radiance of the depths that lets us find home in the world, in our wild animal bodies. She says, endarkenment is the heart that breaks open to life, rests comfortably on the unfathomable mystery of existence, and is easy with uncertainty, complexity, and what courses underground, like Sakito Kisan was talking about. And here's the key. Enlightenment and endarkenment are essential to awakening. And this inclusion of both, like the yin-yang symbol, the light and dark in Sakito Kisan, the shadow and the light in our psychological work, this inclusion makes awakening whole. Because our practice is to remain in this heartbreaking world, in the light and the dark. And this pull we feel, a, a kind of a deep yearning for um, personal relief, and also a, a yearning to help others with their struggles. Like I said, it, it's not just a this is not a philosophical thing or just a spiritual thing. It's in us, most of us, every day. It's embodied and it's lived with the rhythm of each breath, with the beat of our heart on each beat. It contracts and pauses and it opens again and fills and pauses just like the sun moving. And these two supposed sides aren't sides. They're a rhythm. They're mutually they're not mutually exclusive, they're, and they don't lead us in different directions. And they're not in competition like good or evil, light and dark. Instead, 
the inclusion is asking us, once again, choose your life. Keep choosing it day by day and find peace there or here. Because it's only here together, like meeting like this, that we open to the space of awakening already present in each of us and the field of awakening we make together. There's a beautiful moment in her writing where Sutherland says, and, and think about this with the pandemic too, and so much of what we face, she says, hearts shuddered in fear, hearts shuddered in fear yearn to open again to something larger than self-preservation, something larger than self-preservation. She says, when not consumed by delirium, <laughs> it's not a word we use often, when not consumed by delirium, when not focused on escaping the delirium of others, we begin to turn back toward the world. And there she says, welcome to your own heart. So with these things in mind, I'm going to end the, my comments. Um, and invite you to, to come forward. But I'm going to end with a blessing. And I say that because um, it comes from that beautiful book of blessings by John O'Donohue. And just as I say the word blessing, a huge rainbow just appeared outside through the window. <clears throat> In the United States, the book is called To Bless the Space Between Us. And in the UK and in Ireland, um, it's another title and I can't remember it right now, but these words are, are beautiful and they're deep. And now with all that I've said, listen, listen to the words as a final uh, blessing before we, we meet each other. It's called For Light. Uh, and yet, here are the words of John O'Donohue. Light cannot see inside things. That is what the dark is for. That's what the dark is for. Minding the interior, nurturing the draw of growth through places where death, in its own way, turns into life. On the glare of neon times, is that a beautiful line for our world now? And the glare of neon times let our eyes not be worn by surfaces that shine with hunger made attractive. Ah, craving of the world, the hunger made attractive. That our thoughts may be true light, finding their way into words which have the weight of shadow to hold the layers of truth. That we never place our trust in minds claimed by empty light where one-sided certainties are driven by false desire. When we look into the heart, may our eyes have the kindness and reverence of candlelight. Let the searching of our minds be equal to the oblique crevices and corners where the mystery continues to dwell, glimmering in fugitive light. When we are confined inside, the dark house of suffering. 
May moonlight find a window. When we become false and lost, that the severe moonlight would cast our shadow clear. When we love, the dawn light would lighten our feet upon the waters. As we grow old, the twilight would illuminate treasure in the field of memory. And then using theistic language, he says, and when we come to search for God, let us first be robed in night. Put on the mind of morning to feel the rush of light spreads slowly inside the color of stillness of a found world. There's so much in this blessing that I will make sure that uh, Cassie includes it with the recording because it's quite beautiful and speaks almost everything that uh, I hope to speak of today. What will you speak of? Are there places in which you feel like it's hard to turn toward those vulnerabilities where dark is frightening? Or ways in which light has become uh, almost like a glare. How is endarkenment and enlightenment in support of your awakening? This is where we find ourselves. You can raise your hand, please come forward. Or we'll sit in the dark, that's fine. I almost called on you, Donna, because I wanted. Well, I think you actually, I actually did. Yeah, yeah, you heard it. Because I, you may have something different to say, but my question had to do with this way of speaking and embodiment too. But. Well, there's, you know, first of all, this these little talks you give should be in a book and <laughs> I, I would take it before. everywhere <laughs> uh, so, and this one really touches me today so i'll look forward Great. to having the recording i, I was um as relating to so much of what you were talking about and i'm remembering uh, a quote that i love from richard moss that consciousness loves contrast I was going to use it, but I thought I'd wait for you. <laughs> you waited and let me. I knew you were. You know, because it's in a way, it's almost the the title of of everything that you've said, and mm. uh, I love the the pieces that you've read, and uh, even before you mentioned it, I was thinking you were talking about light and dark. I was thinking about how much, um, how many people I know, and how much in our society and our culture um, we fear what we call depression and there's so many people i'm sure you and i and other therapists are dealing with depression now and and it's so obvious to me and, and maybe you could speak a little directly to that um, that uh, that everything you've said about in a way welcoming um, the feeling of it and it's embodied it's it's no energy you know it's a, a complete kind of feeling an embodied feeling of heaviness and of darkness and i think we're conditioned to think that that means there's something wrong 
in a way that um, misses the opportunity and then medication is used to try to shift it, but it misses the, it misses the opportunity to, to find the gold is, is the phrase that fits for me. Yeah, they, there's a distinction, I think, that you know well, um, between the kind of uh, what, what might fall under this larger thing of, of depression. When there is, as you're speaking of, it, just a corner, just a toe of perspective, where you're not totally lost in it, and it's like, oh, this is what's happening. And yes, it's crushing, and yes, it's stifling, and it's taking your breath away. But if there's a little bit of perspective, there's a way to say, this is something that's happening that I could turn toward. But if there's no separation, there's no turning toward, there's just the crushing. And as you know, that can be a disease that's fatal to some people. And so I know that you're not saying, oh, depression is good. What you're saying is we miss an opportunity if we have just a little bit, and I think our job whether we're a therapist, a, a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, whoever we are, is to help people make a little space that, where there was no space. So there's a possibility of mining what's there. Otherwise, you're just crushed beneath the earth of the depression. And just that a little bit of space makes a big difference. And it might be just simply our presence and are caring for someone when they don't feel any care. But you've seen it uh, in your own family point where it's just so hard to reach a space where someone can have any kind of perspective and it's heartbreaking. And yet, ultimately, yes, there might, there might be something there. It's um, maybe you could say a little bit in terms of uh, the, the Buddhist way of thinking of this. So, uh, when I think of it in, as what you're saying in, in an embodied way, the simple way I sometimes talk about it is feeling whether the, the feeling you're having, the, experience, the embodied experience you're having, which we give a, a feeling name to, is it inside me or am I inside it? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, it's it, uh, for me and, 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 say if, if this feels off track or I'm missing something, awakening is, is that shift to that space around what's happening. Um, and our practice, the practice is to keep, um, you know, creating access to being, to having whatever's going on be inside me rather than me be inside it. Yes. And we speak about that, as you know, in IFS sometimes being blended with or unblending. There's many, many ways, but you're saying exactly the same thing. And in the quote that I mentioned about, as we wake into the wakefulness that's already in us and the space we create together, because as we, the, the awakened state sees that these are contents of our consciousness. We aren't those things that we're focused on. They're, they're things moving through. And that capacity to have that perspective, the mindful, perspective of embodied emotion is very different uh, than um, that, the perspective is the thing. Is there any separation, any little bit of ability to turn toward? And, and so often I think people try to find space from something by, 
by putting it over there or stepping aside from it instead right. of exiling it, instead of including including yeah right and the, and it's the exiling that we naturally do and that starts to create the dark and light distinctions as good and evil rather than a, a spectrum and one last thing um, yeah. the if if we have a practice you know and i see this with people people who have a practice of uh self-noticing self-reflection anything that helps them be in the space around it, it it becomes a habit that's the whole point of a practice it becomes a habit that's accessible when things are really difficult Yes. And it's an embodied unconscious habit. That's why it's important to go into the dark to bring forward the habit patterns that are embodied. Is, I was is, just thinking about this last night. I have a habit of fear. I have, I have a habit. There's things I'm afraid of, sure, things that are, but there's a way in which I habitually will go into it and I realize it's just, it's something I can, I can make a change with. It's so um, challenging to to somehow support somebody who's inside a feeling who's in that dark place and hasn't had a practice that even knows that it's possible to have a different relationship to it uh, and when we meet like this i think that's part of what we're doing is all gathering together and all of us looking at each other and saying something else is possible only a buddha and a buddha yeah. That's right. Not not stuck inside, outside, or in between. Not being stuck anywhere in there. Thanks so much. Appreciate your teaching. We have Rosemary next. Okay. Oh, hi. Hi, Flint. Hi. Um, yeah, I... Um, so today I was feeling a little bit not so great, nothing terrible, nothing. And um, um, I appreciated your um, bringing the, the universe into it. That, that, well, first of all, being here with all of you um, immediately made things a little bit different. And um, then you're bringing the solstice in, that's also broadening everything. And then asking us to close our eyes um, was such a settling feeling for me. And I realized that um, I'm very interested in Christmas. I like all the lights. and uh, But I was realizing that it's, it's also very demanding, you know, the, the brightness. And, and, I, and I, I love it. It draws me in. But, you know, I'm, I also was realizing that it's also a, a, the brightness is also a demand. Um, so, um, yeah, there's, I just there's the brightness that, uh, engages the little kid in us. Absolutely. It's joyful and everything, but the, like from the, um, the blessing, the neon glare can sometimes leave us in a, a surface where we don't penetrate. What's this really about? Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with the childhood like part. Uh, if right. we, once again, we don't miss the depth. Keep the balance. Yeah, and you don't want to be heavy, but you want to make sure that you pull things from as deep as you can because this is the transformational time in in, in the, the season. Exactly, and um, um, 
I think being with the group also um, and closing my eyes gave me a little more courage maybe to be in the darker, murkier um, yeah. areas. So that was also very helpful. It also messed up my holiday card because it's all about the light and lifting everybody up to the light. So anyway, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and many solstice um, uh, ceremonies that people do, people are guided uh, with a blindfold sometimes, almost like the scroll. Uh, but you, it, because it helps you remember you need someone else to hold your hand to help you make your way. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. I like all the red here today. Becky next. Hi, Becky. Hi, Fled. Um, I I really love the the whole idea of of endarkment. Of you know, I mean, I think that that it should start coming into the teachings as a way of, of holding, holding both. Um, it's, it's really helpful, isn't it? It's wonderful. And if you're just talking about enlightenment, you're missing this other side of endarkment and both are in the service of awakening. So I, that just that change really has helped me take a larger view. I, I really love it. And, and I think that, that this, past fall, I had a couple of things that were that in a lot of ways. In and, and as you say, it's because the idea of dark has been used in our culture in particular ways that we have associations because the dark itself, like the nighttime and so on, has always been very precious to me and not scary. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there's a lot of scary things in life that are uh, grouped into the things of, of darkness. And this, this fall, I had two different things happen that were, that felt to me like a, a, a shift in me around some of it, which um, one of them was that um, with, with my illness factors, the chemistry that gets going um, definitely pulls it actually just both directions sometimes and and so I was I was able to have an experience of sitting with I mean I I have old diagnoses of I mean some of them are so old they were called manic depressive and some of them were called bipolar but you know I have an inclination there mm -hmm. um, and and I I found I found the place where I could truly hold both of them at once. Yes, this is what Donna was talking about, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. And it was and just- You know what it's like not to be able to do that and how awful it is, but just the ability to hold both, everything's still there. Well, it was a real intense, well, not just one sitting, but that sitting where it first happened for me. Mm -hmm. um, and um and and i think that having done it i'm i might as well do it whenever i can <laughs> you know uh, but, but i'll say that one of the things that's useful about our relationing our relationality that we're connected here is that there are times when you may not be able to hold them both but we can and so we need someone else to do the holding 
but we need to know that we're being held in that way. So that's really, really useful. And there are times when, for example, the question of medication, can we be helped to move into a space where holding is possible? Hmm. We have an ability, yeah. you know, and remember and recover and, let, oh, okay, that's possible. It's, it's that's one of the reasons, yeah. It's one of the reasons that for people who, who need, need a, well, I call it a crutch to help you get through something. Uh, is uh-huh. yeah the um, I notice a little wince inside of me when you said crutch only it's only personal uh, because it suggests a, a brokenness and uh, that you can't get along without it but you're you're using it as a support I'm using it as a support and, and somebody who's really appreciating my wheelchair right now which I don't think is about disability it's about rehabilitation that's right um, and it's about being smart. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, there was, there was that part of it. And then I was doing reflection because I do that around my birthday intentionally and found that a number of stories, like I've, I think that, that when we tell stories that we should always listen to them in our now and speak, speak them from our now, instead of them being a fixed story of the past, you know, and, and so I ran in, in my reflections, I ran into several things that I hadn't done that with for a long time. And I think that that has to do with the, with the expansion of space. Yes, and, and, and the feeling of, of whole, holding and being happy. Um, yeah. The, the and, old stories just become stale and they become habitual. Where's the life? Where's the vitality of now? Well, or even the language we use often, the language we had used and don't even notice if we just are telling the same story that right. that's how I think about that anymore or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yes, I, I really value that you're putting it together in this kind of a way and that it, it can be something that's invited very intentionally. And I, and I really do feel that not just to be able to do it for that which is in me per se, you know, like my, my history, my, my karma, my whatever, you know, um, but, but that, that to be able to hold that about our world, absolutely about, about all the people and, and, and all the, all the twisted karma. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so very much. And, and I, I really, I really would want to encourage some ways that we incorporate that more actively mm -hmm. in ourselves, but in, in our ways of sharing things in the, in the sure. Sangha conversation. Yes. Thank you very much. There you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, someone mentioned connection. And my question is, are we ever connected? Or instead, is the reality is we feel isolated? <clears throat> and that we only imagine the me thought only imagines what connection is like, and then experiences that, which is a limitation and imitation. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> a 
true connection. So are we ever truly connected to anyone or anything? And then the other, someone else mentioned dependency. So are we aware that when there's psychological, psychological dependency, that that is fear. And where there's fear, there's no love. There's no connection. So do we see the relationship? Where one is, the other is not. <clears throat> Did everybody see it? Uh, are, are we connected now? That's what we're, that was, that's what, it's an invitation to look now to see if we're connected. Connected in the sense of that we have the same intensity and quality of care and affection for each other that we would have or give or think we give to our children, our dearest, closest friend, lover, brother, sister, mother, child, best friend, or not. It's that's not here. That's what the so for each of us to ask, do I feel that same love and affection that I have my for my dearest beloved, that for all of these people here in this group? And if the answer is no, ask why. What's preventing that? Mm -hmm. So that, that's what's in the Metta Sutra, even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child. You know, these are, you're asking really good questions. And in the process, are you and I connected? Are you, do you see me? Do you hear me? I'm, I'm attempting to see. Do you me. want me to, it, it, do you want me to answer yes or no? Or do you want me to go into it? No, we just have a couple of minutes. I just want to know. Are yes we or no. Okay. Yes. Yes. Are we I'm actually connected. having a relational experience? No, no, you can't. You only can speak for yourself. I can speak, meaning I can say, yes, I'm connected to all of you, just as I am to my dearest beloved, right? To, to the one who said, the one I say I am so close to, I feel mm -hmm. connected to, right? That I will come and protect and do anything for, like a child with a, ch you know, like a mother with a child, right? Yeah, There's no it. difference, right? Now, yeah. you have to answer the question on your side. Is that how you feel towards everyone here? That's my vow. That's my intention. I'm no, not, not your intention. What is actually taking place? Jacob, I'm not going to go simply on emotion. Because no, not on emotion. On the actual. The emotion <laughs> is an escape from, the, from what's actually taking place right now. What will be satisfying to you? No. <laughs> it has nothing to do with satisfaction. It has to do with Apparently it does. Are you are, are are you connected, right? To everyone here? Do you treat everyone here like and do you have the same affection that you would your dearest, closest friend, lover, brother, sister, etc.? If I that's say, the question. If I say yes, I speak for that light inside of me that does have that feeling, you're right. If I say no, I'm also speaking for that part of me that's a limited human being. Are you divided up? Well, are you, divi are you, uh... of course I am just like everyone else. Oh, has. okay. So that's interesting. So you're fragmented, you're broken now, up. Where are you going with this? Because it seems like you're attempting to. <clears throat> no, I'm just following you. You're saying you're broken up. <laughs> of course I am. I'm human. So to be Aren't human you? is to be broken up and whole. in conflict with itself. 
Is that what you mean? That's is that what you're saying? Being human. It's part of being human. So is there a human that is not broken up? There is unbrokenness in humanness, yes. No. Is there a human being who has not an iota of fragmentation? That would be Anatara Samyak. 24-7, once and for all, now and forever, and the children are ready at the earliest age. You know any? See what you've done. Look, yeah, see what you've done. Find out if it's. I'm asking you, do you have a belief, a belief, an intellectual belief that says it's impo- a human can't do that? That it, that no, it's, that it, that, it, that can it, can a human being be unfragmented? I'm not going to hold to a belief because that would be against the Dharma. Okay, so you uh, have no belief. Uh, so you don't know. You're We're fragmented, also, you realize you're fragmented, but you don't know if it's possible to be whole. Is that it? No, this, this is an argument that's gonna keep going around in a circle. We're gonna stop. No, it's not now. an argument, we're, we're exploring. We're gonna stop now because at the end of our time. All right. And then enjoy the chant that we're gonna do and let it reflect on what we've been talking about because you're asking perfectly good questions. It's not the question, the argument isn't in your, um, in your questions, the argument is in the spirit behind it. I don't have an argument. Uh-huh. Where we so were exploring, gonna... we're exploring together what is. Thank you then. We're going to stop now and we're going to do our final chant. And in the spirit of light and dark, of wholeness and fragmentation, what it means to be a human, we chant, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone who's spoken up, and I hope maybe we can uh, we can take this uh, further in some of our discussions. Thank you so much, Flint. Thank you. Um, Appamada's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. If you'd like to make a contribution, then please do go to the calendar at appamada.org forward slash contribute. And I meant website, not calendar. <laughs> uh, but if you do go to the calendar on the, Appamada, on the Appamada website, you will see lots of wonderful offerings there. So please do check it out. And thank you so much, everybody, for coming oh, today. Else, before, oh. we, before we switch, Maria, I also want to say, um, because um, we won't be meeting next week. 
um, in between Christmas and New Year's, there, there will not be a, a regular inquiry, just so people know. If you show up, you won't be disappointed. And uh, this is our, our final um, uh, meeting for this calendar year, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you, Flint. So no inquiry next week. Thank you. And uh, so now we move on to the next part of our uh, morning, afternoon or evening, where we continue to meet and share on the virtual porch. So please do um, join myself and others um, for a further 30 minutes if you if you can. And please do feel free to take a couple of minutes by your break and meet us right back here. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you.